Hello, and welcome to the very first Adventures in .NET podcast. With us today is your co-host, Caleb Wells. Want to say hi, Caleb? Hey, guys. And I am Sean Clavo, and we are two .NET developers, both been working with .NET for quite some time. And with this first episode, we just kind of want to give you a background of the both of us and see what got us started in programming and what our experiences in .NET and kind of some one of our favorite projects. So you want to start it off, Caleb? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Sean. I'm really looking forward to this podcast. I think we're going to talk about a lot of cool stuff in the, the Microsoft sphere, you know, .NET Core, TypeScript, Azure, C Sharp 8, some of the stuff coming out with that, Link, Identity Server. We've got a long list of topics to discuss. Really looking forward to doing the podcast and to get some good guests on and having a good time. Yeah, uh, me too. As for me, I've been tinkering on computers since DOS. You know, I remember preteen and I was on DOS just typing in all the commands to see what they did. Mm-hmm, <laughs> it doesn't mm-hmm. always work out so well. But I've kind of taken a, a circuitous route to get to where I'm at. My uh, bachelor's degree is actually in graphic design. Oh, nice. Yeah. And I've always been good with computers, but I kind of decided early that programming wasn't for me, but I kept being led back, back to it. And my entrance into .NET was actually a, a junior level developer position where I was not qualified at all. <laughs> and uh, they hired me anyway. Think swim, huh? Right, exactly. Right. Uh, they hired me anyway. And, you know, not on the job training. Right. But I've been doing .NET for, I guess... 15 or more years now. Really enjoy the framework, especially C Sharp. I think it's a great language, well-written. I've used a lot of other frameworks and languages in the past. PHP, VBScript, did a little Java, class KSP, of course. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, I did some of that too. Do you remember yeah. what, your, what that first .NET project was that you got shoved into? Yeah, uh, it was actually, um, the company was Hancock Fabrics, uh, which they, they no longer uh, exist. But, uh, yeah, not because uh, of you. No, no, not, not because, <laughs> of me. because of me. That they, they had some issues well outside of their development team. But uh, I was brought on to actually uh, manage and develop some internal applications. And, uh, you know, this was really, you know, uh, desktop apps, and web forms, um, a lot of ADO.net. I actually ended up doing some EDI integration uh, with uh, IBM DB2. And, you know, we've, we've come a long way. Let's put it that way. .net yes, has we definitely have. Yep. come a long way. So I'm really happy uh, where I'm at now. Like I said, I've been doing this for a while. I'm, I'm currently a, a senior developer at Typhon Group, and we're developing a software as a service for nursing schools across the country and even across the, the world. We've got a few in Europe and I think one in Australia. But we're uh, taking on the, um, the task of rebuilding the application from scratch and hosting everything in Azure. Oh, nice. Yeah, so I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to, to that leap. Yeah, I've been looking at doing something that with, with the current projects that I have. 
Yeah. Um, but I've been j- just so busy. I haven't been able to really get into what's it going to take to move everything up to Azure. I'm glad that our boss has bought in and, and is uh, backing us up with this change because it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a transition, but it's going to be a good one. And then when it comes to favorite.net projects, there are quite a few out there that are really good. One that I can think of is Identity Server by uh, Dominic Bayer and uh, Brock Allen. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it started out right as, as open source, and some of it's been folded into uh, .NET Identity, but it still has a standalone version. It's really good. But one for Microsoft that I've, I've uh, used a good bit in the past six months or so is actually, uh, I think it's called eShop on Containers. And it's kind of their uh, kitchen sink idea of basically throwing all kinds of practices and patterns at you on an application. It's all Docker and containers. It's got several versions of the back end and front end, MVC, Angular. They're doing, um, they're showing you how you can do microservices, service buses, a good bit of stuff. So it's, it's, it's nice to, you can get in there and dig around and, and look at bits and pieces and see how, how they approach certain problems or certain infrastructure and, and kind of, you know, glean some knowledge, knowledge there. Okay. So. okay. Yeah, I was at a conference a couple of years ago and took a workshop with Brock uh, talking oh, yeah. about identity server. So that was really interesting and good there. Cool. Yeah. 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 Well, so what about you, Sean? Yeah. Talk about identity server. Um, one of the things that we're doing where I'm at, I work at uh, Washington State University. Been there for about six years now. Spent most of my professional development career in you know, university setting. So I worked okay. for University of Idaho for 17 years before that. And okay. so, but yeah, along with identity server, we're recently switching over to using Okta. So it's a, it's a two-factor authentication system for a lot of our, you know, logins and systems that are at the university. So that's OKTA? Yeah, OKTA. Okay. Right, yeah, I right. think I've heard of it. Yeah. Right. So I made a proof of concept to get my system switched over to that, but haven't flipped the switch yet. But uh, I wanted to make sure that the, the central systems move first and they worked well. And then I'll be uh, looking at making that switch on the application that I work in. So my start into programming was quite some time ago. I was on uh, my Angular story and kind of went through the whole thing here for the long version, but it started back in fourth grade. And this was before they had PCs, but it was, it was show and tell. And a guy came in and talked about this machine that his dad built. And he talked about what you could do with it and, and what it, uh, uh, you know, various different things about it. And it's like, wow, that sounds really cool. So I asked him if I could come over and look at it someday. Didn't know the guy too well, but, you know, I just wanted to see what this thing was. And so it was just, it was for me from the start, just computers, computers, computers. And so I went over there and just for hours spent dinking around with this machine. It had, had no graphics. It was text only. And got the only program you could play on it was kind of this artificial intelligence thing that you ask it a question and it just throws back some random question back to you and it just kind of go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So that's when I first fell in love with computers, think of that. And then the schools didn't get computers until I was in junior high. And at that point, we got some TRS-80s and one Apple II. And... All the TRS-80s were, you know, cassette tape 
drives, things like that. So, but that's when I first started programming. And even at that point, you know, I was in every computer lab that you could sign up for, you know, for this time I could stay after school because they left the lab over open after school. I was in there, you know, trying to learn that. And then I did the same thing through high school. And then in high school, it was Apple II pluses. They had a lot more of those. So I took every, every class I could, learned it. I had a guy that worked for a hacking magazine kind of for Apple IIs. And so I I learned from him and I grew up in the Seattle area, so I wasn't too far from Microsoft. So I remember when they kind of first kicked off and started growing and things like that. Yeah. Then I went to, to college and wanted to learn how to program naturally. So I signed up for computer science. But at that point, the classes were more mini mainframe type classes and really low level. You know, my first class was in Pascal, and then I learned Fortran and COBOL and and even machine language and things like that, how to build an assembler. And it just, it wasn't what I wanted because I wanted to learn how to program desktops. You know, at that point it was IBM PCs that I was trying to learn how to program. And gotcha. uh, they they didn't have that. So, but I stuck with it and, and, and finished that degree and got uh, a minor in business. So looking back on it, I really do think that that, that degree helped me out, not so much in the computer science type stuff, but in the business things. Some of the other classes actually in the long term helped me out a lot because now when I'm working on a project, not only do I know the, the coding type of stuff, but I can understand the, the business reasons for the project a lot better than I would have if I wouldn't have taken economics or or accounting or a lot of those classes there as well. So that really helped yeah. me out. I found, right, that back in the the late 90s, early 2000s, right, you really needed a degree. Whether it was in computer science or not, you needed a degree to get your foot in the door. But these days, I think companies are much more accepting of uh, hiring people that have some experience over the degree. Uh, right. Which I right. think is right. It's a, it's, it's a good transition, right? There's a lot of ways you can get into programming and into computers. And while I agree with you, uh, computer science and a degree in general helps you with a different perspective, right? But it's not for everybody. So. No, it's not. Yeah. Uh, and I've always, I've mentioned to other people, you know, sometimes it might be better to go to a two-year degree or Vogue yeah. school and, and get programming that way or, or boot camp. You know, if yeah. you really don't know if it's for you, a boot camp might be a good option because that's the way you're going to quickly find out if you want to keep on doing that every day or not. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Instead of spending four years and tens of thousands of dollars in a college degree, you're going to yeah. find that out, you know, in a short period of time. Because, you know, if you think about it, you know, somebody that's 20 years old, they could end up doing this in the next 40 45 years, right? You, know, you got you got to find something that you want to get up every day, and you're glad that you're going to work. And right. I can still say that that you know I look forward to going to work to every day and programming and building stuff that helps other people do their do their work. Yeah, you and me both, right? You have good days and bad days, but I really I enjoy what I do. It's a lot of fun um, and it's fulfilling. So yep, yep. So after college, I did some various jobs and I was actually even a, a assistant buyer for a 17 store chain that did computers and electronics and things like that. And then I was in, in charge of the computers. And that was that was a really fun job because you know as a, a buyer, 
that people are sending you all this stuff every day. I'd walk in, there'd be a stack of software, other thing on my desk, you know, wanting us to put it in our, in our stores. So I did that for a couple of years and then, yeah, they went out of business. <laughs> so we got something in common there, but right. uh, yeah, it wasn't, what wasn't my fault either. So. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so after that, I said, okay, what am I going to do? And I, I tried some applying a very separate computer jobs and really didn't get that much success. There was a, a store out of, of Spokane that was called Egghead Computer. Yeah. yeah. yeah if you remember them. Yep. Yeah. So I applied for them and that was right before they went out of business. So right. <laughs> that wasn't good timing there. So then I said, okay, I'll go back and get another degree. I don't know why. I just wanted to polish things up because I'd been out for a few years. So yeah. I went out and got an IS degree. And, okay. yeah. and that brought me more business experience and, and education there. So that was good. And then while I was getting that degree, I got hired at the University of Idaho. So it okay. worked out really good for me. So yeah, got more education, which I always, I love to do because I like to learn. And then uh, got hired at University of Idaho and their uh, customer support for computers. Yeah. And my first project there was writing a help desk uh, ticketing system. And cool. I could only use a Unix machine back then. They didn't have uh, Windows-based servers for me to, or even a SQL server or anything of like that. This was 96, 97. Gotcha. So I only could use Perl and HTML. So this application was basically just a bunch of HTML pages with comment tags between the different tickets. And then the Perl would just basically slice and dice each one of the HTML pages and move it between pages, depending on whose queue it was supposed to be in. Ah, so, okay. So before this system, everything was done by either sticky notes or broadcast emails. So nobody could really, you know, see where things were at or who was working on it. Because a lot of times with broadcast emails, they just thought, well, that other person that's on the email, they're probably working on it. So I don't need to. Well, right. and then everybody in the email thinks that, so it never gets done. So um, yeah. I said, we, we need a better system. So I came up with that. And then uh, after that, we did get some Windows servers and NT4, and I started learning classic ASB. Cool. It's amazing how fast things can shift or change from uh, you know one environment to another, from mainframes to, to more uh, desktop computing programming. When I was in the Air Force in the mid-90s, uh, right out of high school. And uh, just a couple of years before I joined the Air Force, they were doing everything on punch cards, right? So <laughs> to go from punch cards in the early 90s to where we're at now, it's amazing how fast technology in general moves. But I guess that's, that's part of the fun of what we do is there's always something new to learn. Yeah. So Classic ASP, I uh, probably worked on that for about four years before, okay. you know, .NET came around. Right. And then uh, I remember they were actually going to make a product called ASP Plus before .NET. Yeah, that, that never really occurred. And so .NET came out, and I really liked that. And this was 1.1. I think it was my first, you know, really large application that we built using uh, .NET. And... Okay. It was a content management system for the university because uh, everybody was using front page. Right. And uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cringe, cringe, cringe. Yeah. And so I wanted to make a system that people didn't have to install the software. 
it was all, you know, more WYSIWYG, just click on the page and edit it and, and save your changes. And so being another guy put that together and that probably lasted for probably eight or nine years. They kept on using that system. So it worked well. And the tricky thing about 1.1 is there was no magic pages. Right. So we kind of, for all the templates for the web pages, we had to do that without being able to use master pages. We actually never even had the time to switch it to uh, 2.0 or 3.5 or anything like that. So it stayed at 1.1, but it, it did its job and it ended up having, at the end, there was probably four or 500 editors that had accounts in the system. And wow. there were there were thousands of pages. It was SQL Server backend. Um, right. But it, it did well. Cool. That was probably one of my my biggest projects and most satisfying projects because of just how many people it affected and made their job so much easier, you know, not having to deal with front page or any other static HTML editor that they were trying to use. Right. So yep, stayed there for 17 years and then moved over to Washington State. And I work in the Office of Research there. So my main project is one large overall encompassing that does grants, proposals, and awards tracking. It also has a training module in it. So people that need to take training to understand grants or compliance or things like that, it has a module for that. Then we also have modules for compliance because we do research on animals and humans and things like that. So there's a lot of things that the, the researchers, the faculty have to enter into the system to say, this is what I'm going to be doing. This is how I'm going to be doing it, so on and so forth, to make sure that they're they're compliant and everybody can make sure that uh, they're following the rules and then auditors can come in and make sure that that's going on. So my current project is migrating some of our human compliance systems from a PDF form that they use in SharePoint mm-hmm. to an online dynamic form with workflow and approval and reporting and things like that. So that's my my current thing that I'm working on. I I just finished the same thing for our animal compliance group, and okay. that works really well. So we decided to move on and, and do that same thing for the human compliance group. Cool. And then we're also, I'm looking at in the next couple of months, making a switch from getting all my central data from our data warehouse, which is fed by a 40-year-old mainframe. And the university finally invested in going to a cloud-based management system for all the financials and and things like that instead of the old mainframe. So I'll That's be changing right. my I'll be changing my integration between you know the data warehouse and this cloud-based system. So that'll be really exciting too. Yeah, absolutely. What are some of your uh, your favorite .NET projects? As far as uh, projects that I haven't worked on, uh, I'm looking forward to Blazor. That okay. one really excites me. You know, I do a lot of stuff. My stack right now is SQL Server, IIS, and then on the application I'm using in this current application has all sorts of different hodgepodge of things. It has web forms in it. I've got MBC in it. I've got web API. And then I'm also using Angular, the new Angular in anything I do now. But uh, before the new Angular came out, I actually have a few things in there that are Angular JS based on the client. So it's got so many different technologies in one solution. Right. And I want to slowly get out of the web forms parts and, and upgrade those into web API and Angular 
because until I get out of web forms, I can't move to core. Right. Yep. Yeah. And I, I want to move, move to core just so that, you know, I'm a little more future proof and you know, get a little bit of performance, but just, you know, make sure that I'm keeping things up to date so I don't have so much technical debt. Right. And they're still supporting that net framework. And right, uh, I think 4.8 has come out, but eventually it's going to be a sunset. That's one of the things we, we pushed with uh, the project we've been working on for our, our software as a service to use .NET Core and Angular. And we started it uh, about two and a half years ago. So we started it when they were both right at like re- a release candidate stage. And luckily, um, our boss agreed to let us pursue the application with those uh, two frameworks. And it's worked out really well. Very happy with .NET Core. Good. I'm just worried about, you know, three, four, five years from now, the things that they're going to say, this is a .NET Core feature only, not in the full framework. You know, I know the full framework is going to be around for quite some time, and it's working well for me. But, uh, you know, even with C Sharp 8, I've already seen some things that they're saying are core only, not not full framework. So I think the biggest things are framework, but but, uh, like you said, uh, I was watching a webinar and they were listing the things that were going to be for both framework and core and then the few things that were not. And like you said, uh, as time goes on, more and more of that's going to be focused on core. So Yeah, so I'm thinking that uh, with the Blazor technology, that'll be really cool because it, it compiles down to WebAssembly. Right. And then the tooling will really advance to that. And maybe even eventually I'll be just doing all of that and won't be doing much Angular. Gotcha. Because I think they're going to end up being similar, you know, component-based architecture, pulling back to a web, web API back end. Yep. And so I'll be watching both of those. I have no plans on moving away from Angular currently because I do, I do think that the, a framework like that um, does provide benefits currently. But, uh, you know, as more browsers really start compo- uh, supporting custom components and WebAssembly, and then when I can finally, you know, ditch IE11, even uh, mobile safari gives me some headaches recently too so once those are done then yeah i'll be i always like to stay you know not on the bleeding edge but i like to stay cutting edge right that makes sense and it also uh, makes your job more endurable i do i mean and there's some people who still code in cobol and they do very well at it but not something i would be interested in in doing (laughs) I remember very little of that, you know, other than it's sentence-based structure, everything ends in period, but uh, that was a long time ago. So if you don't have anything else, Sean, I guess we can, we can start to, to wrap this up. One thing I do want to say is we are looking to have a couple more hosts uh, join us in future episodes, so stay tuned for that. And like the other uh, dev chat, TV podcasts, we're going to do picks at the end, right? Yes, we so, are. Uh, so, Sean, what's your what's your pick for this week? I'm going to make two picks. Uh, one of them is based upon my my Twitter address. So, if anybody wants to reach out to me, they can find me on Twitter. It's Whopper underscore Dev, and it's Whopper like the movie that I'm going to pick, not Whopper like the candy. It's W O P R underscore dev 
So if anybody already knows what I'm going to say, it's the movie War Games yeah. with Matthew Broderick. When that came out in the theater, I saw it six times in one day. So I just <laughs> went to the first showing and stayed the whole day and saw it over and over and over again. So wow. I'll put in the chat, you know, the War Games the movie. Yeah. And my second pick is going to be uh, the .NET Conf. Um, okay. I got an email today from Microsoft that the, it's an online conf. It's free. They just uh, announced that they're looking for presenters now. Yeah. So if anybody you know listens to this and that's still open, I recommend them you know go for it and okay. present at .NET Conf or at least it's the end of September okay. is when the conference is. I don't have the dates well, in front of you. Well, we'll add them to the show notes. Yeah, right? it's .NET Okay. Great. My pick for this week, it's called the Enneagram. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a, a personality um, typing system similar to kind of Myers-Briggs, except that it's there's nine types in the Enneagram. The basis of it is ancient, pre-biblical even. And it's just a, it's an interesting way of looking at yourself and at others, you know, and being able to, to provide people, I guess, with, uh, with a little more grace because we all have uh, tendencies one way or the other. So, and that's it for me. Sean, you have anything else? The only other thing I think about that might be relative to this is I first applied to Microsoft because I'm in the Seattle area in 1985 or 1986. And back then, you know, Microsoft wasn't really known. Right. So, I had to find them through the yellow pages and track down where their offices were and applied. Never heard back from them. So I wonder if I'm still pending in their, in their system out there. <laughs> <laughs> well, may, maybe we can get one of the guys from Microsoft on and look into that, right? Yeah, yeah. So here I, I pulled up the .NET Conf. It's September 23rd to the 25th. Okay. Oh, so, And they're going to be talking about the launch of .NET 3, .NET Core right. 3. Which is also going to be transitioned to .NET 5. Right. right. It's when they're going to combine all the different platforms, Mono and those all into one uh, to become .NET 5. Okay. Well, Sean, I have enjoyed talking to you on our first podcast episode. Looking forward to to many more. And yeah, yeah, y'all come back uh, for the next one. Yeah, me too. Everybody come back. Send us ideas. Go to the devchat.tv website and set, submit ideas or send us Twitter. How do they get hold of you, Caleb? I am actually um, not a heavy social media person. They can message me or uh, contact me through LinkedIn. That's probably the, the uh, easiest way. But I will put links to my, my website and my LinkedIn profile in the show notes. Okay. okay. Great. Great. Well, Sean, thanks again, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Caleb. Bye-bye. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by CashFly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with CashFly. Visit dot com to learn more.